Really excited to be here at uh, a new site. I haven't been here before. I've been to the pub quite a few times in my childhood. <laughs> haven't actually been to the school or really good to see uh, a new site church. So well done, part of it. And uh, uh, you'll see on the uh, PowerPoint, uh, we're in a series. Uh, you as a church are in a series in Romans and Steve's asked me to speak on Romans in Romans chapter one. and. Uh, called it a helping hand. So I'm here this morning to give you all a helping hand. That's, that's my job description, okay? So any, anybody you know, need a helping hand? Groceries, cooking, shopping, uh, move the car? Uh, you know, I'm here to help out. Uh, and hands are actually quite an interesting thing, aren't they? I'd like you to look at your hands. If you know the person next to you, why don't you look at their hands? And uh, as you look at their hands... Ask this question, what can they do with their hands that you can't do? See, there are people who with their hands can play musical instruments. Aren't they wonderful? People who play the piano, guitar, trumpet. I mean, just how do you, how do, you do that? There are people with their hands who can paint a picture. How do they do that? My wife's into lino printing and she makes these incredible lino prints and, and I just watch her carving away and just beautiful things created with hands. Some of you are good with wood or, or mechanics. I love watching mechanics sort of mess around in a car and think, how do, you, how do you do that with your hands? And some people are really good at the minutiae, surgeons who can stitch or maybe you can sew or knit or the hand, all accomplished with these wonderful things called hands. And can you imagine not having hands and how hard it would be to live your life without hands? Well... In a, in, a, in a way, I want you to imagine the church uh, as being hands. They're the hands of Jesus to the community. They're the hands of Jesus to the world. You, that's what the church is there to do. They're to get their hands dirty, to get hands on. And for the church to be everything the church is called to be, uh, you need to understand that God has given you gifts so that you might be strong, that you might be able to do all that you're called to do. And I can remember when I was a young person, I was at Winchester, and I heard a man called Greg Haslam, who was the pastor back then, and I was a young 20-year-old. And he talked about Ephesians chapter 4, where it talks about Paul writes about the ascended Christ gave gifts to his church, the ascended Christ, not when he was on earth, but the ascended Christ gave gifts to his church to equip his church for hands-on ministry. And those gifts, and he explained this in an illustration with a hand, which was a very powerful thing. It's lasted my whole life, and I'd like you to do it with me. So I'd like you to hold out your, what's this, left hand. Okay, uh, now I'd like you to waggle your thumb. The thumb, he said, is the apostle. Now the thumb is unique amongst all your other digits because it can do this. Can you do this? It can touch all the other fingers. Your other fingers can't do that. And he said apostolic ministry isn't about title. It's not the 12 or even Paul. Christ the ascended Christ gave these gifts to the church to enable the church and all these other gifts to minister for the church to be all it could be. So apostolic ministry is truly about releasing everybody, everybody, into their full-time calling for Jesus Christ. The next finger, can you do this? Is, is your pointing finger. Did anyone tell it's rude to point? 
pointy finger. If you are asked and you go out here and you say, hey, which way is Winchester? You, you might go, uh, just go down to the bottom of the road, turn right. And you point. So in the church, Christ gave prophetic ministry, prophets who will bring prophetic ministry. That the church left to itself can become inward looking. But Christ gave prophetic ministry and prophets, men and women who can operate in that gift, who point the way of God wants us to do this. God, God's calling us to Kingsworthy for this purpose. And prophetic ministry keeps us alive to the presence and the direction of God. Now, hold up your fingers like that. And there's some abnormalities in the room, I know. But the tallest finger in most of us will be the finger that you're now looking at, that middle finger. And that finger is evangelism. The evangelist is a gift to the church. It's not a gift to the world primarily. It's a gift to the church to equip the church to evangelize. But nevertheless, it is a gift that will often be outside of the church because it's head and shoulders and reaches out to its community. Now, if you're married and you look at the next finger, you'll have probably a ring on it, a wedding ring on it. And that is the gift of the pastor. The pastor, the pastoral gift, isn't the be-all and end-all of the church. Sometimes the church, sadly, has believed that. that You all come to listen to a pastor and to be loved by a pastor. Pastoral ministry is wonderful ministry. It keeps us together as a family. It does the births and deaths and marriages. It's a wonderful gift, but it's actually equipping you as well for your work in ministry. And then finally, do this. The bottom finger, the little finger, which can often be ignored, is the teaching finger. Okay, some to be apostles, evangel- prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Teachers make sure all other gifts are rooted in the Bible, rooted in the Word of God. If any of these other gifts don't agree or align with the Word of God, they are not speaking for God. They're unaligned, and you shouldn't listen to them. So everything the teacher does, a Bible teacher, should not come in and you go, oh, wow, this teaching is fantastic. Oh, great. Love it when he teaches. No, this is to equip you to know God's will for your life and to equip you to read the Bible. My conviction is this at the moment, that very few people read the Bible. Teachers are there to equip you, to inspire you to read the Bible. And so we're going to look at Romans chapter 1. And we're going to see, we'll look particularly at the apostolic gift this morning because I believe it's an important gift. If you have an apostolic gift working in a movement or working in a church, it produces an apostolic people who are caught up on an apostolic mission and are characterized by apostolic doctrine. And this is what Paul wants to do to a church he's never visited before, but he's writing a letter of introduction. And we're going to look at that this morning. So, Please turn in your Bibles, your iPhones, your iPads, however you read the Word of God. I mean, I must have about six Bibles, and my Bibles are underlying, cross-referenced. I just love spending time in the Bible. So it says here, Romans chapter 1, verse 7, To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and, uh, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching this gospel of his Son, is my witness. How constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. 
And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you. Why? So I might impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. So that is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest amongst you, just as I've had a harvest amongst the other Gentiles. I'm obligated, both to Greeks and non-Greeks, to the wise, to the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First, for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith, from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So what I want you to see, first of all, in terms of our hand illustration this morning, is firstly, Paul begins with a thumbs up. Can you give me a thumbs up? Thumbs up if I'm doing okay. Several thumbs. Some people are going, I'm not going to give you a thumbs up. I'll wait, I'll wait to see the end of it, then I'll tell you if you get a thumbs up or not. Paul says, I firstly thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. That's an interesting thing. He hasn't been to Rome. How on earth could he be saying, I thank God for you? Why is he saying, well done, when he hasn't actually got there? If you read 1 Corinthians, the letter in 1 Corinthians, you'll see that Paul, and he does most of his letters, there's a few exceptions, but he begins in this way, I thank God for the church. Now, think of Corinth, if you don't know what Corinth was like. Corinth was a church he was involved in planting, which now he's hearing some years later has got incest, it has uh, division, it has... Uh, all kinds of greed. It's not really using spiritual gifts in the church the way it is. It's all about one-upmanship and who's the best and who's the biggest. And Paul, in writing this letter, doesn't just wade in, Dear Corinth, what the earth are you playing at? He goes, I thank God for you. And he's not being British. Okay? So he's not being, Oh, I hear there's incense. And I hear there's incest, I hear there's a, a division, I hear some of you think you're the best apostle on the block. Oh, didn't they do well? He's not writing like that. He's not being sarcastic as he introduced it. No, he's being genuine. He's saying, I really want you to know, I thank God for you. Why? How? Because of this fact. The grace of God that had been given to them is not without effect. You see, the truth of the gospel is the gospel always works. When you become a Christian, that isn't the end of the story. When you plant a church in Kingsworthy, it's not, well, we've done that, what's next? No, what happens in this church is the life of God continues to grow like, like mustard seed, like, like yeast, and it, and it spreads and it bubbles out and it gets into every part of life in Kingsworthy till... All kinds of ministries and lives are transformed because of you. Paul says, I know that. That's how it happens. It's not dependent on you. It's dependent on the grace of God that you've received. And this grace is a grace that saves us wonderfully on that day of salvation and will get us safely to the end. I know whom I have believed and persuaded. He is able to keep that which I have committed 
until that day. God who began a good work, who'll bring it to completion. He's for you this morning. And therefore, the, the apostolic encouragement is, well done. Well done, church. Well done for going to Kingsworthy. Well done. Well done for your faith. Well done for, for having families here and getting your kids into schools here. Well done for, for anchoring meetings and preaching in meetings. Well done. You haven't seen anything yet. How can I be so confident? Because God is for you and who can be against you? So a thumbs up. Secondly, Paul says to Rome, I want you to know my hands are together. Put your hands together. Can you do this? Put your hands together. Are we, do, do many people pray like this? I don't often do it myself, but sometimes when I really need something, I'm at the end of my bed, I somehow feel that might somehow get through, you know, sort of like the old-fashioned hands together. Paul said this, he said, I want you to know how constantly, constantly, that's quite a good word, isn't it? Verse 9, I remember you in my prayer at all times, and I pray that now, at last, by God's will, that a way may be open for me to come to you. When the early church began on Pentecost. We saw lots of people being saved. And then the, the Acts 6 moment when responsibility is given away. And the responsibility given away so the apostles could give themselves to the most important task, which was to preach the word and to pray. See, we're connected to a movement of churches. And we need to understand the apostolic priority is to pray for you. To intercede for you. And this is a wonderful, if we had time we could unpack it a bit more, but this is wonderfully revelatory. You would think as the apostle, as Paul, he would pray and it would happen. You would think he'd get on his knees and say, Lord, I'd like to go to Rome. Oh, what's that? The postman? Oh, tickets to Rome, first class? Oh, wonderful. Thank you, Father. Uh, you think that's how it would work? He said, I've been praying many times and I'm praying now at all times that a way may be open. I want you to know that I've tried many times, planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so. If you read Acts, you hear about his two Corinthians things, you'll know he's not the person to carry the bags for because he's shipwrecked. He's put in prison. He's beaten. He's lowered over a wall. I mean, he's not the sort of guy to go, oh, I'll carry your bags for you, Paul, because you're going to end up in prison. He's getting flogged. He's been stoned. All because he's trying to please Jesus. I want you to understand that. When you pray, prayer is the most powerful thing you can do in the name of Jesus. You connect with the omnipotent hand of God in heaven and you link your life to his arm and you pray, all of us pray the same way, Thy will be done. And the will of God sometimes doesn't make sense to our own understanding, but it will be fulfilled and it will be good. And so Paul could align himself as he prayed for the church and he could believe, as he did, that he would get to Rome and he would bless the church in Rome. But the, the journey is always a surprise. Some of you this morning going through a hard time, I thought when I became a Christian it was going to be all easy. No, no, no. It, it becomes much, much more difficult. 
You may be going through a route at the moment, journeying with Jesus. You might be thinking, I'm going through a valley of the shadow of death. That's very normal. So is the times when you, everything, seems to, everything you seem to touch comes to gold. And it's like, well, I just prayed about it, and a week later, I want to sell my house, and blow, out of the blue, someone came, they dropped an envelope. You hear these testimonies, and they are wonderful, but I tell you, for every one testimony like that, there's nine testimonies going, well, I prayed. Lou and I got. You got what God wills for your life so that you might flourish and know deeper intimacy with God. Paul knew the intimacy of God. He's not, he's not put off. He's just teaching the church. As he's introducing he's teaching the church. Then thirdly, it becomes really um, real and, and uh, vivid what apostolic ministry is all about in verse 11. He says, I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I might be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Paul writes some pretty impressive letters. They're, they're amazing, aren't they? I mean, anybody in the room fancy writing a Pauline letter? I mean, it's just such a weight of doctrine. You could think, Paul, a letter's fine. We don't need you to come. We'll just read the letter a few times and we'll try and understand what you mean. Now, Paul says, I want to come to you hands-on. Because when I'm coming to you, I want to know, I want to get involved with you. I want to get involved in your Alpha course. I want to get involved in your outreach ministry. I want to go and see what the kids' work is doing. I want to get involved in the preaching of the thing. I want to, get, I want to do some of the discipleship stuff. What discipleship are you doing around here? Hope. I want to get involved. It's hands-on ministry that you and I, together, in this great big mission field, in this building of God's new family on earth, this new community, I want to be involved. I want to, I want to play my part. See, some of you may wrongly believe the church is a business organization. That the people you're paid who come up here and speak, well, we pay them to do all the work. And that's, they're doing the important stuff, and we've got to put up with them once a week and listen to them for half an hour, 40 minutes. And it's hard work, isn't it? But the truth of the matter is, Paul says, we're going to do this together because actually you need to understand the kingdom of God is in you. You are the full-time workers for Jesus Christ. And I want to come to you and I want to say, hey, you're a bank manager. How are handling finances in this world? Well done. You're a doctor. I am so impressed that you're a doctor in this complex world. I want to stand with you. You're a housewife in an age where, where being a mum is like so despised and demeaned. Now I want to stand with you mums and say, raising children, what a godly... I want to get my hands on, says Paul, so that all of you are going, God, I'll tell you what, it's great when he comes because he wants to get involved in every part of our lives. It's not about what he does up here, it's actually doing it together. I like the, I, I like the 1 Corinthians 4. In 1 Corinthians 4, he, he's telling the church off, he said, look, there's some things you're not doing very good, I'm, I'm on my way. Do you want me to come with a whip or with a gentle spirit? Can you imagine coming into church this morning and you're saying to your guest, well, your guest is saying to you, who's the guy with the whip in the corner? Oh, that's our apostle. That's Guy. He's going to take a few people outside afterwards and beat them. That's hands-on, isn't it? 
And he says to Timothy, it says in 2 Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul is very, very tactile. He wants to lay hands on people because he knows there's an impartation. And you might not know, you, 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 most of the people in the room don't even know. I was a young person who came along to Winchester back then when it was in a chicken hut, meeting on Stamwell Lane, a group of 60 people, and the church leader, I'm sitting where you are, I'm just, just turned up with my wife, and he's going, God has called us to build a big church in Winchester. And I'm going, really? And we're going to have buildings. I'm thinking, you need it. This is a chicken hut, and it's horrible. And he talked about a vision God had given him, and I thought, I almost was sitting there going, yeah, I think he's had too much wine or something. He's on another planet, this guy. And then I was being caught up in the journey, became part of the journey, became a leader at the church and was involved in ministry and evangelism and prison and students and all the rest of it and then went off and did some other stuff. But I've been involved in your journey and it's been brilliant. I mean, back in uh, the, 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 the church in town, back in the building in town, the there's loads of people there who were students when I was involved in the student ministry. Now they're grown up with kids and families, and it's just wonderful to see them. And when we're hugging them and, and, and saying, great to see you, we're saying, well done for carrying on with Jesus. Well done. Well done, Dave Stainer, for carrying on with Jesus, an inspiration all my life. Well done. Keep going with God. We're in this together. We're a family. There's no professionals. There's no people who've got their, all their life. We haven't got our lives together. You know that, don't you? We, we, we walk with a limp, just like you do. And we're trying to please Jesus. And we're going to do it together. It's in our togetherness that we're strong. Together, T-E-A-M-T. Together, each accomplishes more. We want hands-on ministry. And man, the next one I want to talk about is many hands make light work. Because in verses 15, he says... Um, I, I'm, I'm, I want to come to you in order, I like that word, in order that I might have a harvest amongst you as I've had amongst the other churches. Now, this is where it, it's really, really important. This is where I lose everybody in the room, okay? This is where you all start to dislike. Up to this point in time, you think, oh, he's not too bad. Now, this is where you, you change your mind. Because Paul says, here's, here's, here's the two aspects of apostolic ministry. One aspect is to build a family, a community, a togetherness to help you all to be everything you can be for Jesus Christ. Now you're thinking, that's great. I, I love you, guy. Thank you. Thank you, that's what you're praying for. Thank you, that's what you're here for. Thank you, you're here to encourage us. Yeah, we're really enjoying it. But I'm also here because I want a harvest amongst you. I want, Jesus wants a harvest amongst you. You see, if you said to me, right, we're going to reach Kingsworthy with the love of Jesus, and Guy, you are our great hope. Go to it. Have a great week. We're all praying for you back here. We're all here. See you next Sunday. See how you're getting on. It will be pretty pitiful. Maybe one person might be here next Sunday that I've managed to bend their arm, come along, I'm going to offer you free you know, cheese and wine afterwards, whatever I can do to get you to come along. Now, if we all did it together, 
if we all started thinking we're in this together, we're in networking together across Kingsworthy because we want to see our friends, our next door neighbors, our families, one for Jesus. God wants to have a harvest of souls in Kingsworthy. And the people he's appointed and equipped and wants to use for that glory and that purpose is you. And I'm here to you to say to you, there are many, many people in this part of the, of the country who are open to the gospel because the gospel works. The gospel works. But he's trusted you and I, and unless we open our mouth, unless we're willing to share, that gospel remains hidden. I felt, when I, I've been praying, I mean, I didn't even mention this <laughs> back at the first meeting, but I, I, when I was praying for you as a church, I felt, I saw a spider's web overlaid over the area of Winchester, and the, the, the mothership, the, the, the first building, the, is right at the center of that. And then there's Kingsworthy over here, and the, obviously you've planted out into Southampton with Chris and Dave Lockyer and Eastleigh. And the, so, so the web has got strands, but there's strands to the north and the strands also to the west that God says to you, I want you to build. Because I want you to network as a church across Kingsworthy, across this whole area, in order to take a much bigger harvest. I even felt as I was praying and seeing this picture that a, there was a huge, great, big, juicy fly that was just about to fly into your net. I felt there's maybe a church or a group of people who are going to be wonderfully caught up with you to see another community reach with the gospel. And you need to be wide open to this because you could be the very person that has the key to that group of people or, or neighborhood. We're in this together. Paul is unashamed to say to them, will you help me? He's finishing his letter, and if we had time, we'd go to Romans 15. And as he finishes the letter, he says, By the way, after I've come to you by God's will, after we've worked together and done some evangelism, done some kids' work, done some teaching, after all that, I'm on my way to Spain. There's nobody knows Jesus in Spain, and I'm on my way to Spain. And by the way, you're not going to wave me off because you're actually going to give me some people, you're going to give me some resources and money to help me do it. Hope Church has been enormously generous to the mission of Commission and New Frontiers for, gener- you know, for years and years and years. But I'm unashamed to ask you for financial support to the Commission because this is what we're in it for. We're in this together. And an illustration can often speak much more than loads of words I speak. So I want you to use your hands. I want you to imagine that out of this morning, you take away this thought. It's all over to Guy. It's all resting on Guy, this mission. Our hope for Hope Church is in Guy. This would be, take a finger, take a hand, and start to hit that hand. I can't hear you. Now imagine one other person was to say, I'm going to join Guy this morning on this mission. Put two fingers. Now imagine a third of the people. Put three fingers. Now imagine three quarters of the people in this room said, I'm with you, heart and soul. Four fingers, please. And every one of us plays our part, all five fingers. And thank you. And that's the end of the ministry this morning. <laughs> Best clap I've had. Okay, you get the point. You do get this point, don't you? It's all of us. If you're excluding yourself this morning, it's becoming the sound of this church gets less. You're not going to be heard. Yeah, but if you knew my family, if you knew the place I work, yeah, yeah, quite. 
All of us are in this together. Hard rock faces, nice open areas. And I'm going to finish by saying this. Their life is in your hands. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel... A righteousness from God is being revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. How many of you watch these uh, programs, real life programs of the RNLI going out to sea? Anybody? I mean, God, you should watch them. They're just so, I, I cry my eyes out every time I watch these things. Just think they're amazing. But they're also annoying. Because you've got people who sort of come down onto a Cornish beach with a lilo, drunk, push the offshore wind, get on the lilo, and fall asleep. And they wake up a mile and a half out to sea. Somehow, someone calls the R&R, and out they come. Off they go. And they come along, sh- uh, oh, hello, yeah, well, I was, I was Lila Lila last time I looked and uh, had a few pints and uh, oh, suddenly I couldn't see the land. I mean, wouldn't you, if you were in the RNLI, get a pin, <laughs> pop their Lilo and say, goodbye, you, how can you be so stupid? But they don't. They rescue. We just come back from a holiday, Heather and I, in Cornwall, and we went to a, a, a lifeboat museum. And there's a famous storm in this part of uh, southern Cornwall. And it's told, the story is told in, in, in wonderful things, that this ship is breaking up, that lives, or they call them souls, were being lost. And uh, one of the lifeboat men said to the captain of the lifeboat, we can't go out in this storm. We will all perish. And the lifeboat captain turned to them and said, we must go out in this storm because they are perishing. And that, brothers and sisters, is the truth that Paul is captivated with. He said, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the only hope for our world. For in it, he says, the righteousness from God is being revealed. This term, this wonderful, full-bodied, exquisite term, the righteousness of God, is Paul's calling card, it's his passion, it's his life, it stems an understanding, it would take a John Grove a month to just unpack it, it's such a beautiful, wonderful, how God acts rightly with his people, how God acts justly with his people, how he needed a saviour, how God had to fix the world's problem, how Jesus was the lamb, the perfect righteousness of God, how Jesus died upon a cross, Bearing the sin of the world, not his sin, but the sin of his enemies, the one who's made a way, the one who is righteous and holy and just and loving, dying upon a cross. Three days later, by the power of the Holy Spirit, raised to life, resurrection life, ascended to the Father's right hand, where he ever lives to intercede and pray for us, giving his church his gifts that the church would be the body of Christ to this world. This glorious gospel, this wonderful gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said. So why are we? Why are we? 
Why can we talk about church to our neighbours, our friends? I can talk about church so the cows come home. To non-Christians, I can talk about, oh, it's brilliant. Oh, come on, church, fantastic. Great tea and coffee. Great welcome. You know. Preaching, take it or leave it. But I tell you, worship's great, bam. I can talk about church. I can talk about the people. You know what the offence is when you're talking to people? Jesus. Very common. Most of the world is speaking and using his name every day of their life. Christ. But if you introduce Jesus and you tell someone he is everything to you, it is life-changing. It is life-changing. You haven't got to come up with a wonderful explanation of the cross, justification. You haven't got to come up with anything. What the world needs to hear is your life has been turned around by Jesus Christ. I was in a taxi last week. A guy, I always do this when I get in a taxi. Tell me your life story. His life story was he was brought, brought up in Kabul in Afghanistan. His father died in a car bomb along with his sisters. Came over here at the age of 11 into London. Not a friend, didn't speak the language, was adopted and put into a family. He's grown up with no friends and in, in a busy city. So I said to him, and where's God in your life? He said, I'm a Muslim. I was brought up in a Muslim. I go to the mosque once or twice a year, occasionally pray. And I said, do you know the love of God in your life? Do you know Jesus? And we started talking about Jesus. He was a prophet. I want to honor Jesus. He said he's a prophet. We started talking about Jesus. In fact, the conversation was going so well, we went around one of these big roundabouts in London three times. The meter was going, I was thinking, oh, this is going to cost a lot of money having this conversation. And when we stopped, I got out, he said, can I just say thank you? I never heard that before about Jesus. I never knew that. I gave him an invitation to church. Jesus saved me, rescued me. I want to tell others how good he is. And I know you do as well. And that's why, as I, I close... I want to talk about an impartation. The last slide is, uh, if you put the last slide on Stranger Things. This, this, anybody seen Stranger Things? I mean, my kids get me to watch stupid things on television, Netflix. Anyway, this, the, this is basically, you don't need to watch it, it's rubbish. Uh, but basically, these four kids are heroes. They, they find that beneath the world that they see is another world where there's a, a creature called the Mind Flayer who is controlling people in authority and power to make unrighteous decisions. It's a really great parallel to the spiritual world we're living in. It is the gospel. And Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There are forces, brothers and sisters, that are at work against the church, that are at work against your family, that are at work against you and the gospel. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And Jesus says, I will build my church and hell has no answer to it. When the church of Jesus gets on fire in the power of the Holy Spirit to live this life and to preach this gospel, nothing can stop it. No power of the enemy can stop it. The danger is the church has her hands in her pockets. And I'm here this morning to say, get your hands out and be all you can be for Jesus Christ and find this glorious confidence, boldness in the gospel because the gospel will work. And I'm believing that you're going to take a harvest in Kingsworthy. And so I'd like you to stand. I'd like the musicians to come back up. I think it was Jim, was it? 
And I want you to believe God this morning for an impartation of boldness for breakthrough with the gospel. Breakthrough with the gospel. I'll let you close your eyes and I'll let you lift your hands before the king. And I want to pray, precious, precious Jesus, for every single soul and life in this room, that today they would not see themselves as just comfortable living a middle-class life in Kingsworthy, but they would see themselves as the R-N-L-I. They would see themselves as people who are going to reap a harvest, not one or two, but all of them together reap a harvest. And I want to pray for every mind in this place that's thinking about a mum or a dad who's not a Christian, a child who's not a Christian, a neighbour who's not a Christian, a work colleague who's not a Christian. I want to pray right now, faith to come. And I want to pray for an impartation of boldness and confidence in the heart and mind of every single one of us. I want to pray, Lord, they would, this church would see a harvest like they've never even dreamt of in Kingsworthy. And I pray it would be with those faces, those names we're thinking of right now. I pray, Lord, for an impartation of harvest gift in the lives of this church. And I pray, Lord, that they would go from here, this seed would find good soil, and everyone would go from this, this room, not thinking business as usual, but looking for those wonderful moments with neighbors, friends, colleagues, people they play sport with, just to tell how much we love you, Jesus. And Father, I pray, let your Holy Spirit seal this word deep in their hearts, that this word, this visit, would have an impartation that would bear a harvest for your glory, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.